Coming up, haunt insurance. Are you really covered? You may not be. Welcome to the show. I'm Philip. On the Haunted Trash Network show, we bring Halloween to you every weekday. We have news, on-location coverage, and interviews from experiences around the world. Whether you're a Halloween enthusiast or professional, each episode helps you celebrate the best holiday. On Fridays, we cover the business of Halloween. If you're new to the show or you want to tell your friends about it, our podcast website has categories to help you sort through our over 700-episode catalog. Visit our podcast website at haunt.news or search for us in your Spotify app to get started. Today's episode is from one of our partner stations, Haunt Topic Radio, hosted by Brian and Daryl. They're interviewing Craig Watt, a veteran insurance agent, and they get into some of the pitfalls for home and pro haunters. Today's episode is a recording from Brian's Haunt Master Classes, and you can join those and participate in the next class live at hauntertoolbox.com. Enjoy. Yeah, so I've been doing this as long as I've been doing haunting. I started home haunting in 2000 with my kids, and it grew into a monster like everybody's. And then eventually I took the plunge to go pro. Last year was my first season. And then, um, so I'm coming up on my second season for the haunt. Excited to do it again now that I've done the first one and I think I know what I'm doing. <laughs> and then uh, I also just opened up my escape rooms a couple months ago inside the haunted house, which is a little different than the way everyone else does them. We actually plugged haunted house uh, uh, escape rooms in, in, in the rooms in the haunt, which is a whole, that's a whole nother talk. Um, but I've been doing insurance just as long. I'm a second generation guy actually. Um, but I started digging around when I had to go buy my own insurance, which was weird selling to myself because I've never really done that. Um, I gave myself a lot of flack and beat up on myself to try to get a lower price. Um, so basically, uh, I started looking at some of the policies and I've, I've talked to several haunted houses and I, any of you guys, y'all ever want to send me your policy, I'll look at it. I don't sell insurance to haunted houses. I don't want to. I got more headaches than I need in insurance, but I'm always help, happy to help you guys answer your questions, look at your stuff. I started doing that for some escape rooms too, because I want to learn what's out there as well and see what's good, what's not, um, what to look out for. Um, but my door is always open. If you guys just uh, message me um, I'll, I'll Facebook or email me or whatever, and I'll give you that in a second, but um, um, I'm happy to do that. So I was just I have a talk I'm kind of putting together and then I'm going to be speaking at a couple of these conventions, I believe, um, HotCon and Transworld I've been asked to speak at, just talking about insurance in general, because I think in our industry and also in the escape room industry, um, people, we know fire code as good as firemen do, but we're lousy at insurance. We really are. And I hear things all the time and I just cringe when I look at the, some of the, the stuff on some of the, the pages on Facebook and things of people saying things that they have no idea what they're talking about. And, and sometimes they do, but, um, it's, it's, it's interesting. So I wanted to tackle home haunts first because I know statistically Philip was telling me one day, he was telling me, I was questioning because I was trying to see if there was any, I have a work comp company that wants to write a whole industry, like be the, the program. And I was like, well, let me go see how many haunters are out there that have work comp. And you'd be surprised. There's hardly any like pro pro haunts. You think there's a billion of them. There's not. Uh, we call being pro, you know, being taking money in, but as far as like year round or, or, or have a real professional type setup, we're, there's not as many, so more home haunts than anything as y'all know. Um, so how do you cover a home haunt for, for what we do? You know, you have a, you know, you could have a, you know, walk through the front yard or, or do what I did. I had a graveyard in the front, then I had a garage that was loaded up and then I built tents outside and had all this stuff and wires everywhere. Nothing's fire code. 
um, your homeowner's policy is your only defense. So when, if you own a home, you buy homeowner's insurance and the homeowner's insurance, there's like most people have 300,000 in liability. And that's where your dog gets out. Brian's got, don't you have a pit bull, Brian? Yeah. Okay. Your dog's probably sweet, but pit bulls, right? Sometimes yeah. they, they're not sweet. Brian's dog gets out and bites a kid. The policy protects you. Okay. Unless the policy says no pit bulls. And it could, right. there could be some dog, there's dog exclusion bites and exclusions and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, or, you know, little Johnny gets hurt on the trampoline or and all that stuff. Okay. Um, nowhere in a policy for your house does it say haunted houses are excluded. It doesn't say it. So if someone says, am I covered? Uh, show me where it's not. And that's the big thing. So, but here's the catch. This thing called business pursuits exclusion. I had to go look up this term because I'm not a homeowner's guy. I do business. Business pursuits exclusion says if you're taking money for a business and operating out of your house, any damages resulting from that business is not covered under your homeowner. So if you are collecting money at the door for your home haunt and someone trips and falls and gets hurt or gets electrocuted or I hope, I hope none of this happens, but always they call me the black cloud. Um, or there's a fire and someone dies in the garage or whatever, the insurance company is going to grab that policy and go, uh-uh, business pursuit exclusion, you were taking money. Or I'll throw this one at you, donations. I wouldn't even take donations because that could be argued by some stingy insurance company as a form of revenue, even though you're giving it away or whatever. I, I wouldn't play with it. If you were going to do this at your house, I would not take any form of monetary or even canned food or anything. I wouldn't do any of that. Um, because you're hanging out there. Otherwise, generically speaking, insurance policies, I was looking, every state's different uh, on a lot of this stuff, but generically speaking, you're good, you're covered. Um, because it's such a wacky thing we do, insurance companies really don't know we do it. Now, if all of a sudden they had a rash of uh, claims on homeowners policies for home, ha home haunts, there would be an exclusion for it, you know, like mold. You know, that's a big one in Texas. Um, so if you were taking money, how would you cover it? I'd go get a special events policy and you can buy those from the, you know, all these home, um, haunted attraction insurance agents. You can go online and buy these. Um, there's these computer systems you just punch the stuff. It's no different than like when y'all went to the trade show. I'm sure you had to go online and go buy a special events policy. To yeah, I think it was ACT Insurance, I think was one of the big yeah. ones. Exactly. So you go on there and buy a special events policy just for that night. And Look then we use the, we use Fraser Insurance yep. here. Yeah, that's a big one that goes around a lot. I know uh, do Donut Donut Fraser. There's the new one, Granite, whatever. Um, I don't know if they're doing it, but you can even go to your local agent. I'm sure they can get it. Uh, but there's a lot of special events policies cheap online. Um, um, but that's one way to cover it. Let me throw one at you that no one's thought about. Brian, you and I kind of got into this. Uh, we have an industry of people that make stuff at home and sell professionally if they burn their house down making masks or whatever they do um they could have a problem on their insurance because they're conducting business taking revenue there goes that exclusion so that's something nobody thinks about because we're an industry of small artisan craftsmen you know that make stuff in their little sheds and um garages and stuff like that and they're making really cool masks and all this stuff that's not covered by homeowners and if you don't own a home and you don't have homeowners and you're renting your renter policy has liability usually on there you better have a rent policy if you're doing that kind of stuff i don't know how many people do it the rent house if you home haunts but that's that's kind of the nuts and bolts of that but you do need to treat your home haunt like a pro one you really should 
watch your extension cords, make sure you have fire extinguishers, make sure your hallways, you should practice same protocol that the pros do just because you don't want to have a situation if you, if you can prevent it. You know? Right. Make sure you have exits and stuff too. You know, like if you yeah. wrap around your side of your house, or your backyard. Yeah. But signs up plastic exit signs. Those, just those little touches like that could be the difference between you getting sued or not. Cause this is a sue happy. They're all Canada's not the same as America. People love suing here. They sue for everything. Yeah. But, um, I imagine there are some similarities that's for sure. Right. Um, I don't know what they are. It's not something because I'm not doing a haunted home, but yeah. the same thing is if I'm creating something, if I'm a, an artist, like yeah. how is that going to affect me? So that's something that I'll, I might need to check into here. And everybody, and we're not different from other people, people making things at their house. Like if you're a salesperson, like I work from home all the time, that's different. They, they let that stuff slide. It's, it's manufacturing or having, you know, customers at your house, those types of, you know, it's just something to think about. I mean, it's probably kind of low risk on the uh, manufacturing side, unless you're getting in a, I mean, if you're welding, um, you know, armatures and things like that for props and stuff like yeah. that, dude, that's a big fire risk. That adjuster, you know, they're going to be looking for anything. What are you doing? Oh, you're running a business out of here. Um, I was reading articles, kind of studying up on this stuff because this is not my forte. Um and um, it, there was somebody running a garage out of his house and he was fixing cars for money and yeah, and caught the house on fire and they didn't pay. Um, yeah. So that's, that's a side of the home haunt stuff, but hopefully that, I know there was somebody that asked that question. Yeah. Victor was, he was asking about it. And, and, and it's the biggest one. It's the biggest one. And there's a lot of kind of, I don't even know what you call it. It's just, it's, it's not factual information. I went and looked it up because I, I didn't want to speak out of, out of, out of uh, not knowing either. So when you get to the pro haunts, that's a whole different game of things. So the number one policy that pro, uh, a pro haunt has to have um, is general liability. Uh, number one, number one. And liability covers bodily injury and property damage resulting from your work. Our work is having a haunted house. So in the act of scaring someone and they fall down and break their arm, that's bodily injury resulting from our work. Okay. Or somebody's out with their chainsaw out front chasing somebody and they take the chainsaw across someone's car. That's property damage. Okay. Resulting from your work. So it's covering third parties. It doesn't cover you. It doesn't cover your employees getting hurt. It doesn't cover your stuff. It covers harming other people and their stuff. That's the basic definition of what general liability is. So, um, with haunts, they're based on, generally, they're based on uh, attendance. I don't know how y'all's are, but mine's, they ask you how many people, and I, just, I think I tell them 5,000. I'm not even there yet, but, um, and then they take that times the rate, and that's how they spit out the price. Um, um, that's how most do it, and I don't know if you guys get audited, but what they're supposed to do is say, hey, how many people you're going to have this year? Oh, 5,000. And then at the end of the year, you're supposed to come back around and go, okay, how many do you really have? 10. Okay, well, you owe us double. That's how liability usually works. I've never been audited. Watch, I get audited now. But um, <laughs> once they watch this video, they're going to owe me money actually because I overestimated. I, <laughs> I got a little cocky in my first year, but um, but that's how the the pricing works. Price is based on the the whatever the factor is. In our case, it's usually not sales, but it could be sales or attendance times the rate gets the price. That's how that's how they come. They go by how many how many nights you're open because that's one of the nope. things that nope. Uh, that now that's 
the price is determined that way. Now there's questionnaires with these guys. So is is it granite? Is that the new one? That one um, that was at Transworld? Uh, granite is one of them. And what's the other one? The one that I interviewed that I can't remember the name of at the moment. I was thinking Grant, Granite's the one that has the new thing where they're really trying to underwrite these things, which sounds pretty cool. So Brian, what you're talking about, they're going to ask a series of questions. So your liability, my my understanding of the way I, what I've seen so far is insurance companies don't understand what haunted houses are and they don't really understand what escape room games are. Escape room games are just as bad on identity uh, they don't know where to put them. I've seen they're all over the place. So um, they're gonna you're gonna ask some questions. Some of them might underwrite a little deeper. Like Granite, I think is the one that's really going to find yeah. Graniteinsurance.com. Yeah, um, like very top. You, it's a uh, hot attraction insurance at the top is on their yeah. specialties. So that one, that one, they're trying a different angle where they're really digging in. Okay, so I'm a perfect example of the lowest risk haunt. I don't touch. Um, I don't do anything extreme. I don't have pyrotechnics. I, um, I don't have any, you know, crazy stuff. Okay. Where there could be these, like right down the road, I sent my whole crew to go Friday 13th to creepy hollow. Creepy hollow is a great haunt. Great people. They, they let my people go play, uh, play there for free. So they went over, there. but they're a touch haunt, um, you know, and, um, they're a little more extreme on that stuff. So there can, there's more risk associated when you're touching people, you could hurt them. You know, if I'm not touching somebody, I'm not really hurting them. If they fall, I got a risk, but so there's, you know, there's different things. Are you using pyro? Are you, you know, are you doing the, are you selling alcohol? You know, those types of risks hit, uh, that I think Granite's approaches, they're, they're really looking at what you really are as far as your terms of risk. And are you chaos certified in that, that certification? They're giving discounts for that. It's really cool. I have not gotten a quote from them to see what it looks like, but um, but your your liability is is can be based on that questionnaire. Um, but they really just don't understand haunts because if they really knew what we did, we'd probably be tame. Um, <laughs> um, surprisingly, we don't have claims, and that's why they don't pay it. There are some claims, but for the kind of crazy stuff we do and how many people fall over and and uh, and you know uh, scratch themselves and they just laugh about it, they get cool and they leave. It's shocking because if you're a restaurant, you get sued every time. Uh, I know one of the uh, a lot of the questions for Fraser was like moving floors or yep. live animals or. Yep stuff like that you don't i'm like oh really they're moving moving parts moving animatronics and i'm you know animatronics or whatever yeah so they're basing their prices on those so they're bumping that price up every time you say yes yeah <laughs> on one of those things and um and of course you need to be honest on them because if, if they come out and do an inspection i've had i had a property inspection though they never have done a liability inspection on me um but um you know they can come back and or if you have a claim and you didn't you weren't honest on that questionnaire, they can try to get out of paying it. Do you know what causes haunted attractions to shut down before they even get started? The top three roadblocks are lack of funding, lack of leadership, lack of resources. As a member of the Haunter's Toolbox, you get instant access to the tools you need to start and grow your own haunted attraction business. To get started, become a member at Toolbox.com. So, so there's two kinds of liability policies in this in this in this world. You got the annual policy or the special events policy. Uh, Donat. I believe I talked to them. They can do a year round. Like for me, I need a year round because I have escape rooms and then I have the haunt. So I never stop. But a lot, most people don't go year round. Uh, most people just do the season, but there's a little quirk with that. 
and I'm not saying don't add, and I'm not saying anything bad about any insurance company, but if you buy a special events policy, because you're just getting it from when you're open, what about when you're under construction phase in the summer? Build that was going to be my question. Exactly. What are you doing? So let me give you a scenario. I'm building a, I, it took me two years to build this stupid thing I got. So I had people coming in and out of this building. I had 1099 independent contractors. I had, you know, AC guys. I had all this stuff. If I just had a special events policy just for my haunt season, what's covering me for causing property damage or bodily injury to some other party? I got nothing. So you need to have, I, the way Donat explained the way they do it, it's pretty interesting. They have a policy for the season, which is probably higher risk, more expensive. And then you have the off-season policy. That's how they do it, which is interesting. I don't know if the price is cheaper than just buying a year-round policy, but because my year-round policy doesn't go, it, it just says, how many people do you have? 5,000, okay. Um, how much are you going to generate on your escape rooms? And I put a sales price. That's it, okay. They don't ask me how many days I'm open and all that stuff. But if you do these special events policies, please make sure you're thinking about build season because if someone gets hurt, somebody comes out there that's a friend of somebody that works for you and they get hurt or some little kid gets in your haunt that's outdoors, any of that stuff. Um, you know, what, that one that happened not too long ago where the, they got in and did the arson, is that Colorado or they burned up part of their haunt. Mm. Some kids went in there. Remember that thing? I think it was. I think it was Colorado. Some, somewhere over there, same one those kids got in there and burned it up and they died in there. Their parents could turn around and sue that you didn't have proper fencing around it to protect them from going in there. All this, they could just make stuff up. Um, well, if you just have a season, uh, just a special events policy, you're screwed. Um, you have no defense. It's coming out of your pocket. Um, so that's those special events policies. I'm not really sold on them. I know it's cheaper, but you really got to make sure you question what you're doing off season. Also, where's your stuff stored? If you store it somewhere um, or if it's just left out and they open it and it's some outdoor haunt and kids get, you know, teenagers, they're going to get in it and they get hurt. The parents are going to see you. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of those things people aren't thinking about. They're just too too focused on just the season. Um, so those are the annual policy will cover you all year round. I I would feel more comfortable with that. That's what I did. I, I didn't even question um, because I'm I'm tainted because I see lawsuits all the time. And dude, people will see you for any. I, I've, I've got a million things. I'm going. What? How? How that happened? I had a kid sit on a caution wet floor sign. It collapsed and he got paid. Wow. Okay. Anybody can see for anything because <laughs> yep. insurance company is going to settle because it's cheaper to settle than fighting. Now, is that, is that true that next time if you file a claim, next time your insurance goes up? Or is yeah. that so the way the claims work is they usually look back three years, some look back five years. Insurance rates are up right now. You're going to probably see an increase on your insurance, and it, it's up more than normal. Insurance is going through this phase called a hard market where they jack the rates up. They're just greedy and they know everybody's sales are going up. So they're jacking the rates up. But you know, our industry, my understanding is it's pretty recession proof. Like people want escapism when times are hard. So, and, and you saw what happened with COVID, everybody had record sales. So um, your, your, your rates, they, they have the rate, they look at your claims. If you have history of claims, they're going to jack that up or they're going to non-renew you and you're going to, whoever you go to next, it's going to make you pay because they can get that out of you. So, you know, um, it does affect it. And they do look back three years. Some look back five years. Most look back three years. Um, so when shopping your liability insurance, go to all these, try all these markets. It doesn't hurt to look. Um, but you want to look at the exclusions. That's the key. The key to all this is it's not, everything's covered on a liability policy except what's excluded. And that sounds weird. But if an alien comes tomorrow and laser beams my building and blows it up, 
it's covered because I don't have an alien exclusion. So it's crazy sounding, but an asteroid hits my building. It's covered. But if it's nuclear, mold, war, terrorism, um, act uh, of God, acts of God with life, we're on liability. That would be property. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that That's a weird term nowadays with insurance. But, yeah. uh, but you, it, it's, it's going to be this exclusion list. If you get a quote from somebody, do not buy it until you look at the exclusions, especially for us, because I'm going to give you my observation. The first policy I bought had a total alcohol exclusion. I don't sell alcohol. So the average haunter will go, I don't sell alcohol, big deal. What about the guy who got hammered in the parking lot and he gets in a fight with somebody and somebody shoots him, something like that. I don't know. Gets stabbed in the party, or he gets hammered and comes in the building and gets hurt. Well, if it's something alcohol related, they could decline the quote, uh, the, the pay the claim. So you you don't want to have that on there. But for me, I want to. Uh, for it's really weird being a haunter in an escape room, people, because it's different. It's totally different business. The escape rooms, I want people to BYOB. Haunt world, hell no. <laughs> you don't want alcohol in the permit unless you're selling it. I mean, if you're one of those. But I don't want alcohol because I don't want to deal with drunks because they punch and hit and and you know your actors not. But escape rooms, oh yeah, bring your own alcohol party. Let's do it um, because it's usually more behaving. I say behaving. We'll find out. Adults. Um, and so, usually with a group of people that are you know yeah, or it's a business and... or you know an event like that. So so alcohol exclusions, assault and battery exclusion. If you see assault and battery exclusion on there, yes, you're not wanting to assault and batteries, but if someone gets beat up in a parking lot, that ex that exclusion, most of them say they're not going to cover it. So it's not you beating them up. And I'm highly against you having your own security. I know honors want to have their own security. Dude, hire a licensed, insured, off-duty cop. Or um, um, I use a, a, a cop that runs one of those businesses of cops. So it's the local city, but he provides their work comp and liability. So if he goes and beats the snot out of somebody that's acting up, I'm not liable. They can try to sue me, but I'm not liable because I didn't do it. Um, if he gets hurt on the job, I'm not liable. If you just hire security people and they hurt someone, it's on your liability insurance. If they get hurt, it's on your work comp. I would highly advise, I know it's expensive, but it's a hell of a lot cheaper than what it will be when your insurance goes to the roof. Um, you know, to hire a professional officer, don't try to I'm in Texas. Everybody tries a tough guy. Um, just be careful with that in my mind, because so you got the alcohol exclusion, the salt and battery. Um, then you look at stuff like what you're talking about, Brian, is, is, is animals. Um, the other one is I had a no touch thing on mine. Yeah. I cannot touch patrons. They're slipping those in because they see those extreme haunts and you know who they are. And I'll never mention that name on this podcast. Um, um, but that kind of stuff, you need to read those exclusions. And if you're cool with them, fine. You just need need to know what they say is not covered. And if you see one on there you're not comfortable with, you need to ask the agent to give you a copy of it and read it um, because you may be doing something that's not covered. Um, also, you know, with lakes and ponds, uh, an another one that no one thinks about, copyright, trademark stuff. Yeah. How many, I just went through a haunt, pretty famous one that had a lot of it stuff <laughs> and y'all know which one. How many people are using stuff off TV? I have to be very careful. I have a pirate haunt. I'm not even, I'm not even, even coming close to having anything that looks like Johnny Depp. No, thank you. I don't want Disney banging on my door. You're not mentioning the Caribbean at all? <laughs> no, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I know my kids uh, here wanted to do a TikTok. There's some trend with Johnny running and stuff. And I'm like, let me see it first because I don't want Disney banging on my door because it's, it's this whole making fun of him in court. But um, liability does have some coverage for, for uh, false advertising and 
and some of this copyright infringement stuff. Um, we've actually paid the Elvis estate on a client of ours that um, got sued by the Elvis estate for uh, using Elvis' likeness on a printed item. Um, so mm. that is in there and that's generally in there. You don't have to worry about that. So um, that's liability. Um, that's the big one. Does anybody have questions about liability? Cause that's the biggest question for everyone. Well, Allie had a question about, um, the client asked her how often pro haunts get sued and most common issues thoughts. I, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a rookie in the pro world. I mean, I talked to a lot. I've been studying, I'm, I've been listening to Brian's podcast since I've been a home hunter and I've studied all these. I listen to all of them. I'm shocked. There's not more. I found out the other day, some lady fractured her foot in my haunt during the haunt season. And I never even knew about it. No one knew about it. One of my coworkers' mom ran into her. She said, yeah, I had a great time in there. I broke my foot in there though. I had no idea. No idea. And you know, so, we've had people got, we've had people get hurt inside of ours and I don't know if most people think that they're entering, you know, enter your own yeah. risk type of thing. Yeah. So they're not, um, you know, you hear the big ones on the news about people getting shot or cut or, yeah, you know, assaulted. I'm sure there's something going on there, but those are usually the ones that make it to the top. So I don't. I think the psychology of going to a haunt is the best weapon we have, honestly, because people are knowing they're going in there to be scared and fall down and be shocked. There's something with the psychology. Versus like a restaurant or a grocery store where when someone falls in there, man, it's three days later and they're suing. Where here they fall, they think it's funny. I remember I had two kids because I have hard stucco gritty walls. I mean, they're like stone rocks. They're like sandpaper. And I'm scared to death with the haunt with them. But the cool thing about the haunt is everyone stays in the center. They tuck down like this and they walk through like this. So they never really get hurt. But, you know, the runners, you worry about the runners, right? And I had a couple of kids get scratched and I'm like, oh, crap. And they thought it was the coolest thing ever. And I'm like freaking out, you know, insurance guy with a haunted house. So I'm getting band-aids, washing it for them and fixing it. But it's a mindset. I think, I think I'm, I'm surprised we don't have more, but um, there are some pointers on this. So, so from a proactive approach with, with dealing with liability, which is our biggest risk is um, get cameras. You better get them. They're not expensive. It's, it's about as much as a prop. Um, make sure. And I'm, Hey, I'm gonna tell you right now, I'm a hypocrite uh, right here. I have a camera system. I have so many high def cameras from these escape room games. I have a 10 terabyte hard drive. It fills up in four days. It's not big enough. Crazy, right? 10 terabytes. Who would have thought, right? Um, I got to get more hard drives. Here's why you need at least 30 days of recordings because something's going to pop up and mine overwrites in four days. I, I got to fix this. It's, it's on my to-do list, especially before hunt. I got to buy some hard drives. So here's what happens when someone falls and gets hurt, they're going to get up and they're going to go, Oh, I'm fine. Okay. Your manager, your key person that's in charge of incidents, which you better have one is going to go, okay, no problem. You know, here, go get you a shirt or for free or whatever, you know, you're going to, you know, or just pat them on the back. Restaurants always give them their meal for free and they just go about their business. Well, then what happens is, at least in Texas, you have two years to sue. Everyone's lawsuit comes in one year, 11 months, <laughs> almost two years to the point because yeah. they want you to lose all your data. You're going to overwrite that video from two years ago. You're not going to have that. Who has all that? You know. Um, so what I advise you to do is have 30 days minimum and then if anybody gets hurt, time mark, you know, that person in the haunt, whoever's the security personnel, time mark when that is so you can go pull that video and just put it somewhere. I promise you, it, it, unless you're guilty, 
<laughs> you may want to write delete it. Uh, I didn't say that loud. Um, <laughs> but, but but you don't you you want to protect yourself. And the biggest problem is the person gets hurt. And they're always embarrassed. They're they're embarrassed. They don't want to make a big deal out. They get home and then somebody goes, "Oh, you can sue that place." They call the lawyer. The lawyer comes and sues and he makes his money. So if you pull that tape and you got a little incident report, I didn't make a little report. Just write all that stuff down. Um, you know, whoever's your security person, have your cell phone, take a couple pictures of whatever happened, right? Because the more ammo you have, the better off you're going to be to try to help the insurance fight it. So insurance companies pay for your lawyer. Everyone complains about the price of insurance. What we pay, they supply a lawyer. It's outside, you know, if you have a million dollar policy, the lawyer's outside the million dollars. The million's to pay the claim. So they have a duty to defend you as long as it's covered. Well, shh. You know, a few thousand bucks for a lawyer, that's cheap. Most lawyers cost you five just to get them on the phone, right? Yeah. But if you give all that ammo to them, you're, you're better off. So make sure you have video. Make sure you pull that stuff. Don't don't be fooled by the, oh, I'm okay. Just go ahead and just assume you need to pull it. it and uh, waivers is bigger in the escape room business. Most haunts don't do waivers. We have big signs that nobody reads, right? You can take a waiver and wipe your you-know-what with it because it's useless. Because I'll give you an example. In an escape room, if I go sign a waiver and I get in there and I'm climbing on stuff and I break my neck or whatever, I can't really sue because I signed a waiver, right? My wife can sue because now who's going to bring home the paycheck to pay for her shoes? Mm. My wife likes shoes. Um so what about my kids? My kids could sue because now Davin can't go to college anymore because dad can't work. See what I'm saying? Waivers are garbage, except for the person that signed it. And kids can't sign waivers. Adults have to sign waivers on behalf of the kids. So in the escape room industry, they're all about waivers. They're waivering everything. And I'm like, and I'm, I'm walking in there going, why y'all do this? I said, it doesn't work. And I, and I was talking to this guy that was a consultant for me. He says, I just do it to collect the email addresses. I was like, oh, <laughs> that's why. It's genius marketing because you haven't signed it. Well, you get everybody's email address and you put it in your database and then you can pla- you know, plaster them with uh, emails. But waivers are, they're okay if the individual signed it, but it's not going to stop other parties from suing you because mm-hmm. they, that's good to they know. lost it. No one thinks about that. Do you think uh, that the people that are signing waivers think that it's legit so they're not even trying to fight it? Think, Most well, people don't even look at them right? when they sign them. Right. I mean, think, th- you know, there's a whole documentary on, it used to be on Netflix or something like that, talking about all the terms and conditions. That's what it's called. And it's a documentary about all the crap that we don't read when we sign up for things. And if you really read it, you would never sign up for anything. Yeah, no one, like 14 no pages reads. long. Yeah. No one reads the, I've, no one's read, I mean, we've done probably 75 groups through here for escape rooms and no one's ever questioned. If someone said, I'm not signing this, I mean, I'm like, what am I going to wear? Um, I do try to get them from a mental, uh, kind of just a, a mental thing about who I'm signing this, I better behave. I think there might be a little bit of that, kind of like our signs we do. Right. Uh, but, you know, the best thing is to, to protect yourself is cameras, cameras, cameras. Don't let alcohol, drunks, don't let them in. If you see somebody that you feel like you got some, some weird feeling about, just give their money back and send them home. Um, I think Scarret Badges are one of the smartest things I've seen in the industry in a really long time. Scarret Badges are basically either pins or embroidered patches, uh, kind of like Merit Badges, as they are you know, somewhat named after, from Boy Scouts and, and Girl Scouts and Brownies, and where after you've accomplished something, you can wear the brag tag of 
the embroidered patch. Some haunts put them on jackets, some put them on t-shirts, some put them on uh, with the pins. I've seen them put them on lanyards. But the neat thing about them is they are very specific in what they are rewarding. And they're haunt-based images that reflect what's being rewarded. It's retention, it is bringing people back, and it's actually giving your haunters, your haunt performers, the ability to share that they are haunt performers. And, oh really, you're a, you're a scare actor. Where do you do that? And then they will insert the name of your haunt right there. So it's also marketing. I've always been a big fan of Scarret Badges. I think they're great. So check them out, scarretbadges.com. No, it is, that is not a paid advertisement. That is just my recommendation. I think it's really cool. ScottSwinson.com Now, Jimmy's got a question for us. Uh, are you able to add a part to a waiver that no family members can sue or waive their rights if injury occurs, yada, yada? They would have to sign it. You'd have okay. to get the whole family to sign it. And that would be really weird. But like for, for us, we have a waiver program for escape room games. Um, we had a Girl Scout troop come through. Um, well, the, the troop leader can't sign on behalf of all these little girls. Um, so I had to email her the link and every parent had to sign on behalf of Kid. Now that is a level of protection, but there's there are holes around. It. That's, yeah. that's I just it's not the be all end all, especially these touch haunts that oh we had them sign waivers and all. Y'all know the the big one that does all that. That's fluff. That doesn't do anything because if he breaks my neck, there's no waiver in the world for 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 assaulting someone. There's no waiver for I don't know about your state, but in Texas, hazing is against the law. <laughs> Assault and battery is against the law. You can't sign a thing that allows him to waterboard you. <laughs> that's that's the Geneva Convention, but apparently people think, oh, they signed the waiver. They must be allowed to do that. That's all fluff because a lawyer could get a hold of that and tear it apart. That's why I think it's all fake. Um, all right. um, oh, and Al had a question going back to the first aid. Uh, do you have to be certified, first aid certified, to work on somebody like band aids or? Okay. So you know? yeah. So my wife, I need to get done with. I need to get it first. My understanding is if you get, and it, I don't know if it's a state to state thing because a lot of the stuff state to state general liability is kind of a it's a it's a um, u.s canada and and um u.s territories kind of thing we're all kind of lumped together um but with and they do have certain states have certain little things they'll throw in there um the difficult ones are usually new york and california they have weird stuff um and texas sometimes does you know it's the weird states but with with first aid stuff my understanding if you're certified first aid you have a legal obligation to go help some um so it, it, it's your requirement. Like my wife is certified. So if somebody's choking, she has to go help legally. Um, I don't think you have to, I don't think you have to have something like that. I mean, if you're a big haunt, you should have a medic. Right. I'm a small haunt. I don't, I, I don't need a medic. I have we, a we put bandit on people. We've given people, you know, yeah. just you okay. Sit down with some ice and chill yeah. out or. But is there going to be any repercussions if Brian, who isn't currently certified, puts a bandaid or gives an ice pack or moves someone? infected or something. And then I'm liable. Yes. And yes, 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 yes. You could, you could, yeah. but it, it would probably look better in court that you try to help the person. than you're just saying, screw you kid, bleed out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, you know, I, I mean, I have a I have a, a ex-Marine that fought in Afghanistan that was a paramedic that works for me. So, I mean, he's he's dope. <laughs> he can put anybody back together. So but, you know, um, it's probably good just to have somebody on staff. And if you don't like I, I, I'm going to do that this year, uh, get you know get some people C, CPR certified. Um, it's not going to prevent you from getting sued, but at least you're, you're I mean, it's a good, it's the right thing to do. To help people. 
So, um, but yeah, I mean, if you like are trying to set their arm because they broke their arm or I don't know, performing, but you know what, actually in insurance and liability, there is, there is, this is bizarre. Incidental medical malpractice coverage. And that covers that situation? Now that I think about it, yes, you're covered. For incidental medical, because when I go sell to these companies, they go, I'm not a doctor or a surgeon. I'm like, I know. Incidental medical malpractice coverage. So you know, when you're trying to trying to help somebody. So in the liability, you have a million occurrence coverage usually. That's one million in your, your bank uh, for a claim. Okay. An occurrence is one issue. So if you have one issue in, at the beginning of the night, and you had another one at the end of the night, it's two occurrences. So this, you have a cap of $1 million per occurrence, and sometimes you have deductibles, okay? Then you have the aggregate. That's the most you can have in one year. Most people's aggregates $2 million. So you have $1 million occurrence, $2 million aggregate. It means you can have two $1 million claims. And then you have damage to rented premises coverage. So if you're renting a place, they throw in like 100000 which doesn't really cover. If you burn down a rented building, the hundred isn't going to cover squat. The guy's going to see you. He'll get the whole million um, plus the hundred. But there's one called medical payments on there. It's like usually 5,000 bucks. You'll see this little tiny thing says 5,000. That is goodwill money to pay for little Johnny breaks his arm in your haunt. Uh, you could use the med medical payments to pay for that um, as a goodwill gesture. So he hopefully doesn't sue you and it doesn't count against your claims. I can tell you little Johnny's parents are going to sue so that you never see people use it, but it's on there. Um, but that's, that's the pieces of life. Um, the next big was work comp. This is one that I'm telling you, this is the hot spot. Hot. I laugh at, at these, these posts. Um, employees, independent contractors and volunteers. Everybody thinks they understand this on these hot forums. And I just, I, I laugh at it. And I, I'm not a, employment expert. I just, in insurance, you just deal with it. Um, unless you're a nonprofit, volunteers is questionable. So in the U.S., the IRS, I think it's the IRS code, what a definition employee is. If you provide them a uniform, tell them when and where to be. That means, you know, what time you need to clock in, clock out, or pay them hourly, or all, any of these three. They can make a case they're an employee. So say you're one of these haunts that does volunteers because they don't want to pay them. Because okay, that's what it is. Not all of them. I mean, I know there's nonprofits that do it for fundraising, but I'm saying for profit haunt as volunteers. You gave them their clown costume. You told them where to be and how to do their, their scares, their booze. And then you're paying them by the hour or, or by the day. By definition, under the IRS code, they're an employee. So if the IRS caught on to that, you're going to get charged back unemployment taxes and all that FICA stuff and all that. Um, you're going to get hammered with penalty. But from an insurance standpoint, if they're a volunteer and they they're one, they have those things, they're they're considered an employee. They are supposed to be able to make if they get hurt. They can make a claim on work comp. Well, every state, it's law to have work comp, except good old Texas, because we got to be different. We're cowboys. So we're like, it's your choice. Well, in Texas, if you don't have work comp, and a lot of people don't, you as an employee could just sue the crap out of your employer for as much as you want. Here, everybody else, you just go and work comp. They pay for your injuries. They pay for your a little bit of your time off, all this. Okay. So um, most states, you just have to have it. Some states you buy from the state. Some you buy from the, it's state specific. Some you buy from an agent like me. Um, some have a hybrid of both. Um, so, but work comp is huge, and it's not that expensive because work comp doesn't understand what we are. They put us under traveling theatrical entertainers or something like that. Like we're like we do plays all over the towns. You know, we travel. They don't understand how crazy haunting is, or how like 
physically hard it is. They have no idea the bruises and cuts and bangs and and they have no idea. They have no idea. So the price they charge us, in my opinion, is super cheap compared to what what we do. We're more stunt people, but don't tell them that. So it's it's um so that's based on payroll times a rate. There's your price, and then there's some discounts and things that get applied to that. But the big thing is, I would not play that game with employees. And I don't know why people do it because there's a lot of haunts that collect cash, and some of that cash might not get to the IRS. And then there's employees are paid under the $600 mark. So if you're under 600, you don't have to report them to the IRS. Everything's under the table, right? But if you start getting big boy, you better watch that because if the IRS catches on, you're going to get hammered. You'll be at it. I mean, you could get put in jail for, you know, fraud, stuff like that. But um, from a, from an employee work comp standpoint, um, they're an employee. Um, no doubt about it. If you don't pay them, they could turn around and sue you for law uh overtime they could see you for you know not being paid wages it's crazy haunts haunts are really bad with this and and i understand why we have tight budgets we only have 20 something days to work and we're just trying to get the most money we can out of things but we we, they skirt around this thing with this volunteer crap and it's not good independent contractors is the same thing so if you 1099 people which a lot of guys do that that's where they're not an employee you're not taking out taxes on them um for instance, Dark Stitches, I mean, dark, dark Wood Designs, Kevin. Kevin came to work for me. He helped me build my haunt. He owns a business. I 1099. He's an independent contractor. Brings his own tools. I don't tell Kevin how to do things. Kevin tells me how to do things. Um, he he builds stuff. I say, look, go build me a boat. And he builds me a boat. I don't tell him how to do it. I don't pay him by the hour. I don't do any of that stuff. Okay. Um, he's a true independent contractor. Somebody working at your haunt that you're 1099 because you don't want to collect the taxes is an employee. And you can get away with it for a while, but if you ever get awed by the IRS, you're screwed. Um, and also, if they get hurt, they can make a claim that they're an employee. If you have work comp and then they make a claim, well, you got comp, they'll go on there and it's just uh, uh, the, the uh, work comp people are going to collect. But um, my research on this, if you're a nonprofit, some states you can get away with it. I think most of them you can. There's a few states you can put volunteers on your work comp um, if they're volunteers. But if you're a pure nonprofit haunt, like say like a church haunt or something, I don't know. You can go buy accident policies. Okay, it's not work comp. You have to be a nonprofit. Okay, um, what an accident policy I call it poor man's work comp. So they'll supply you like say a million dollars for injuries and a million dollars for legal. Um, it's the same thing a church or a school can buy accident policies. You had kids in athletics. They do this a lot. They have these accident policies that you paid for. It's basically kind of like work comp, but it's for volunteers or non-paid people. Um, so if you're non-profit, it's cheap too. It's it's not expensive. I would buy one of those um, just to protect myself because if someone breaks their neck or gets killed or hurt or something bad happens, um, you don't want to lose everything you have. Um, Jan was asking about the Good Samaritan laws. I mean, maybe it's about the first aid stuff for the. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm not an expert in that world, Jan, um, but I know you have some protection, but that would be, I would imagine just me guessing that's protection for you personally, not a business. Um, and you do have some of that. You have, if you're, you have an obligation to go apply the CPR and in return, they protect you for you trying to help them. Yes. But that's not where you're going to get sued for helping somebody you're going to get sued because they fell before or got hurt or um, somebody, was it one of you guys or am I imagining somebody told me about a claim where a chainsaw or something like that, they chased the girl um, out of, the- we did. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. 
chased out of the parking lot into mm-hmm. another area that, that the girl girl fell and cut her shin open but we never shin and, and she you know my building I'm, I'm right up on an old city street like it's the old downtown and my actors were chasing them on the sidewalks and i had to get on them because they're going to chase them into traffic you know that's a problem yeah um, but um they're you know that's where you're going to get sued doing dumb things like that and you know, sometimes our people get a little overzealous with the chains, chainsaws. And luckily I'm a pirate. Hunt. I don't have chainsaws. Um, but yeah, chasing them in the parking lots and stuff like that. You got to be real careful. We have one of our uh, lead actors is EMT and sheriff. So we, we had one person down right. right in the hallway and he has his own, he has his own personal bag in his scene, which has his walkie talkie straight to the ambulance. So he was on it, called it in. Boom, they were there in like 10 minutes. And I don't know how that would be covered or not. I don't know how yeah, that. Well, I mean, that's not you. That's not you. It's the yeah. incident that caused the damage is the problem. Not It's not you trying to help them. Most people don't. They're not suing because you try to help them. This girl uh, was completely. Well, we probably shouldn't even let her in the building because she was yeah. completely wasted. Yeah. So. That's the biggest thing. It's, it's, it's being proactive. It's the eyes up front. My very first day, by grand opening, I didn't have a cop because it was three in the afternoon. I'm like, nothing's going to happen three in the afternoon. I shit you not. I got the drunkest dude you've ever seen come through. Got past my Marine and he, and he's with his girlfriend. His girlfriend has a dog and she's like, can I take my dog in there? And, you know, people are with dogs these days and I love dogs. They take them everywhere. I'm like, you want to take your dog into a haunt? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this dude's about to fall over and he starts getting at me. And I'm like, I think I'm about to get in a fist fight on my first day of opening at 3.30 in the afternoon. I'm like, what's going on? But it was the proactive thing. If the, the guy up front, you know, I mean, it was our first day and half of us don't know what the hell we're doing yet. If my guy would have saw that at the beginning, he was like, guys, you can't come in. You know, it's that it's really watching the alcohol stuff. Alcohol is the biggest problem. Problem, I would imagine the haunts. Um, they just get a little crazy. And I, we had one incident other than that where the guys were, yeah, and they put their hands on the actors. And I know who one is, and I'm still looking for him because I know him. <laughs> and I will oh, find him. <laughs> and that in, in, in adolescent groups that are not with an adult, I found that, um, you know, a bunch of 13 year old kids oh, yeah. or 12 year old kids that don't have an adult present. So I'm thinking about making a limit on you have to have an adult present, you know, with if they're in a certain age or, or break them up, break them up. You know, I, I learned that in the home haunt days, man. You got to break that. The 13 year old boy's going to show off and yeah. they're going to do something stupid. So you just break up those groups in smaller groups. Um, that tends, and when they're smaller groups, they don't feel as tough. They get a little more scared. I see. So it, it's, it's just being proactive on that. But on this work comp thing, it's just work comp. If you have it, they can't see you directly for a workplace injury. It's no questions asked. The, the downfall of that is if they have a injury, like an old football injury, and 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 their knees jacked up, and then they turn turn around, tweak it, haunt it. You're going to be on the hook for it. It sucks. It's just part of it, but it's better than getting sued. Um, but it, it it it's something that everyone needs, and maybe it's a bigger deal in Texas because we don't have to have it by law, which is crazy but um everybody else i think you have to. um and and it, it's it's just a need to, to have thing um how are we doing on time where are we at 8 30 by 8 26 okay um, so i've got a question then about the actors um yep. there have been instances in the past where we've pushed actors farther than they had gone some of them have you know mental stress some of them have physical yep. stress how does 
how do you get covered or you get protected by that if you know if you have an actor that's um claustrophobic or has ptsd and you put them in a scene that affects them i'm trying to think of i've ever had a work comp claim on ptsd or anything like that i don't think i've ever had one i mean i get all the fraud ones and i get the real ones i've had people die i've got people blow up um, Which- if you filter some of that during interviews and is that yeah, you gotta be liable careful. or you probably because you can't thing. really re, can't really ask them questions about their medical conditions and stuff, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So so this is probably a good like talk in the future. Um um I got a guy, Brian, that probably would be good at doing this. He's an HR guy that I deal with. Um, you gotta be careful. I mean, we are a business, yep. and when you do interviews, there's rules on interviews. Um, I know with acting, you can be kind of descriptive on your actors, but you can't ask. Okay, so I had a um, pregnant um, lady come through with her husband, who was a, he was a pro actor, um, and she's done some acting. She was pregnant, and she wanted to work in the haunt. And I'm sitting there going, what the hell am I going to do with this? And I needed a voodoo priestess, and she was like the perfect uh, African-American female, perfect for it. But she's pregnant. And I'm like, how am I going to work with this? So I was like, okay, I can adapt if she wants to do it. And I have an upstairs part. I could put her up there. But you can't go ask, you know, hey, are you pregnant? Or you can't ask, hey, do you have mental problems? Do you do? You really can't do any of that. Um, it's, it's, you'll get sued. And that's a whole nother insurance policy for that one. Um, but for the act of uh, a bad employee, being a bad employer, which most of us probably are. So um, um, I don't, there may be some coverage under work comp for mental breakdown stuff. I don't know. I honestly don't know. I have to get back to you all that. Cause I, I can't think of anybody I've ever had that happen. Um, Cause usually you just, you, you just, you know, they need time at home or whatever. You let them go home and cool their jets. But um, Cause we find that um, putting actors in a low lit room um, in a costume and a mask and facing other people is the best way to come up with their social anxiety. Oh yeah. It highlights them. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ones they didn't know that they had. Right. It's usually, Jan says it's usually the owner that has the breakdown. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's staff members too. Yeah. Oh, that's where we stop to hear the rest of this interview and to get the video and to get all of our other cool masterminds and master classes and monthly meetings go on over to hunterstoolbox.com and sign up to be a haunt master member all right we'll see you next time this podcast episode sponsored by scarret badges get your scare badges at scarebadges.com also sponsored by haunters toolbox take your haunt to the next level at hauntersToolbox.com. thank you for listening to haunt topic radio Please leave a comment wherever you found this podcast. Each comment you leave will help spread the word to other haunters around the world. See you next next time. time. Okay, that's it for today. We'll catch you back here on Monday for our regular news. Today's episode was produced and edited by me, Philip Hernandez, with post-production by David Swope. Support for this episode comes from Gantam Lighting and Controls. See what you're missing with a free demo. Sign up at gantam.com demo. We release a free weekly industry newsletter. Sign up on our website or at the link in our show notes. The Haunted Attraction Network team includes Daryl Plunkey, Emily Louise Rua, Megan Spells, Gavin Burns, and Maximus Bryant. Our partner stations include A Scott in the Dark, Scare Track, The Scare Factor, and Haunt Topic Radio. 
Finally, please, please, please rate and subscribe to our show wherever you're listening. And until next time, Haunters, stay scary. This is a Haunted Attraction Network production.